Well, good morning, everyone. There's a sense of moving. We're already underway. Pull in your attention. Put aside distractions. Step into who you are before the Lord, priests and kings. We're here to minister to the Lord this morning. We're here to offer Him praise and worship. Along the way, your needs will get met too, because He's good. But turn your heart towards Him. Offer Him what He's worthy. When He does that, He's pulling on our heart, pulling us in, drawing us in. And when He does that, He stops for a moment. And then He asks a question. Then He, he deals with things that need to be dealt with. And I felt like this morning the Lord was asking for her commitment. Uh, he was asking a direct question, wanting a direct answer from our hearts. He was saying, I felt he was saying this morning, will you sojourn with me? Will you sojourn with me? Will you come with me? Will you walk as I walk? Will you step as I step? I will show you the way. You can trust his way. You can trust his way. And, that, and the Lord, everything with the Lord is on a need-to-know basis. It's all about trust. It's all about volunteering when you don't know all the details. When you trust in the leader that's leading you, you will just go. You're in an army. You're in an army. When your commander-in-chief says go, even though you may have questions and doubts, you say, yes, sir. And there's something that the Lord is drawing out of us this morning, a commitment. He's wanting a commitment. He's wanting us to mature. He's expecting more. But at the same time, then I came back to Cam and I said, there's more. The Lord, I felt the Lord saying that, but those that are crushed in spirit and feel like they can't even stand and take a step right now. He will carry you. He will carry you. For his desire is that not one be left behind. So I thank you for that, Lord, this morning. So, Father, we offer you what we have right now in this minute, whether it's just crumbs or whether it's a banquet. God, we give you our lives in this moment with where we're at. And we say, come and meet us here. Come and meet us here. We'll give you the little that we have and trust that you turn it into more. We trust you, Lord, and we'll lean into your love. Come and meet us here. If you look through Scripture at healing and when people were healed, there was a lot of the time an act of faith on the person that wanted healing. <laughs> and so you came up here, and, and that's awesome. But I feel this morning there's actually another step for you that um, the Lord wants you to experience. We're talking about receiving from him. And re healing is receiving a gift from the Lord. A lot of the times what happens, though, is as we start to focus on healing, we really get lost in the pain and the hurt of the thing we need healing about or the thing we need healing for. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes you just get lost in the the trap of like, I'm sick and this is so hard and I understand that. But this morning I feel that there's actually another level of faith that's meant to be released in you and through you this morning, individually. And so, where is it? Here it is. There's oil, kind of. 
It's not the best, but it's, it'll work. <laughs> and this is what I want you to do. It's not about, it's not about the oil. It's not about me standing here or anyone else. It's you connecting with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's you connecting with the power of heaven. And we will stand with you and agree with you till kingdom come <laughs> forever. But what I believe the Lord really wants to do in this day is to get people individually to access that place in heaven that healing comes from for themselves. Again, it's not that praying for people or laying it, it's very scriptural. You can lay your hands on people and they will recover. Very true. The scripture always says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And this morning, I feel the Lord saying that he wants to teach you about that very faith. So I want you to come, all those that are, even if you didn't come up to the front this morning and there's some sort of pain or some sort of thing you need healing about in your body, I want you to come and just take a little bit of the oil. And I want you to lay hands on yourself in that area and believe that you're accessing that power in heaven. Where The only place that healing comes from is God that sits on the throne. And I want you to release your faith by coming up here. And I know it can be scary. And you know, sometimes you don't want people to know that something's going on. Push past it this morning. Every, there's an opportunity to be healed. So come forward right now. Don't wait. The band's going to play and we'll do stuff after. But come and take a step of faith this morning. I believe that when people move in faith and by faith, mountains move. Oceans are parted. Water comes out of rocks. Things are open that were not opened. And so, Lord, right now, we just say, by faith, we agree with these people's act right now. We say that they have the ability. You have created a way for them to access your unending power, your unending beauty, your unending dominion over the earth. And we agree with them in the name of Jesus and say, let your healing power flow through them, through you, and through this earth right now in Jesus' name. If you have kids too that need healing, take it for them. Lay your hands on your kids. Now I want you to take a minute here. We agree with you. People around you agree with you. But I want you to start to agree with heaven. The place where there is no sickness. The place where there is no death. The place where life flows and flows more abundantly than we We'll ever know till we're there. But if we can start to agree with that place right now, what is possible? What is possible in the earth? What is possible in your life? God, right now, I, I rebuke doubt and fear. I just say, Lord, let that be washed away with the beauty of your presence. Let your beauty be what overcomes us. Let your love and fragrance be what we remember. God, we let go of the old ah, dying, decaying thing that we once held on to and we pick up 
a beautiful garment of life. Oh, we release the hurt. We release the pain. We release the frustration. We look unto you, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. We look to you and say that you are the only one that is, you're the one that puts air in my lungs. My heart only beats because you have your hand on it and make it beat. Every breath comes from you. And we just honor you for everyone we draw right now until the end. Let faith arise in this place. Let faith arise in this place. Let our eyes be lifted up. Look, look to the light of heaven. Let your being be raised up in this time. I, I keep trying to say the things that are uplifting because I feel such an attack with trying to pull us down right now. And I just want to combat that, not by just speaking positively, but by speaking the truth of who God is. And if we were to speak the truth of who God is more frequently, more, more wholeheartedly, I believe that God will release more of himself on the earth. And so God, we just say that you are true. All you promise is true. All you release on the earth is true. There is nothing you do that is a lie. Who you say you are is who you are. And I cling to that this morning. The solid rock of my foundation. There is none like you. And we lean on you. So in prayer on Wednesday, we released for a while about the expectation of good, the anticipation of good. Not a specific present is coming, but so much of the goodness of God aimed right at us as though you were standing in a river up to your waist looking upstream and it's just full of things coming down towards you. So in Jesus' name, we release an expectation of the goodness of God, an anticipation of favor, an anticipation of blessing. We release the expectation of meeting God. We release the expectation of answered prayer. We release the anticipation of good things falling into our lives, even if we didn't deserve it. We decree that God is good at all times, in every season, no matter what. I can't earn it. I can't lose it because his love is after me. His love is after us. Good things in Jesus' name because a good father, a good father, a good father, a good father giving good gifts. And so we'll say it again to you, Father. We're believing for signs and wonders and miracles and healings. We're believing for prophetic words. We're believing for visitations. We're believing for provision and protection. We're believing, God, for guidance. We're believing that God in our midst is beneficial. We're believing that you're affecting our lives for good, God. We declare it's getting better. It's getting better of the increase, of the increase, of the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end. That means it's getting bigger, it's getting brighter, it's getting closer. The goodness of God increasing, rising like the sun. 
Testimonies in this house. Testimonies in this house. Testimonies in this house of every different kind. Every different kind. Every different kind. Testimonies of the goodness of God. Look what the Lord has done for me, for you. This is who you are, Father. This is who you are. And so, Father, I'm asking this week, this week, this week, this week, that you will show us what you can do and that there would be testimonies that next Sunday someone will be able to stand up here and say, you are not going to believe what happened this week because God is good and that's how he works. We believe you, Lord. We believe on your goodness. We believe on your word. You are reliable and faithful, God. We put our hope in you. Yeah, you're saying it right there. He parts water, brings water out of rocks, walks through walls. This is who he is, and we got to get used to it. This is who he is. He speaks into nothing, and something is there. This is who he is. He wrote, the kingdom of God does not consist of words, but of power. This is who he is. So we invite you to be who you are, Lord, even if it scares us to the core. Be who you are. Lay hold of us, God. Lay hold of us. Lay hold of us. Lay hold of us. Shake us out of our mundane lives. Shake us out of the normal that sweeps us up and brings down our faith. Shake us out of it. God good in our midst. God good in your house. God good in your job. God good in your family, with your kids. We've seen you do it, God. We've seen you do it. We've seen you do it. We've seen contracts come out of nowhere. We've seen arches in flat feet. We've seen healings in this house. We've seen the power of God lay out everybody in the room in this room. This is how you like to move, God. This is who you are. It's not for somebody off in Africa way far away that we get to hear about. This is you wherever you're allowed to show up. So, God, we want you to show up. We want you here, present. We want you being revered and honored, God. I'm starting to hear the word wow echo inside me. I feel like over this next year, wow is going to come up a lot. Now, there is a faith word, wow. We bless you, God. We bless you, miracle-working God. We bless you, creator God. We bless you. We bless you. You're the faithful and true one. You're the one who takes loaves and fishes and feeds thousands. You're the one who takes worship songs and breaks chains and opens jail doors. So, Father, we're asking, as we set a spotlight here, that you step into it. We will set the spotlight of our worship. We will set the spotlight of our worship on you. 
And no matter what you do, we're not going to turn the spotlight off. God, you are good. You are good. You are good. You are good. You are generous. You are kind. You are faithful and true. God, you are good. Patient. Forgiving sins. Your love rolls down through ages and millenniums. Blessing and favor chase us down. You set out to do good in our lives for us when we couldn't do a thing. This is who you are. Derek just reminded me what Benny was singing earlier on. Psalm 23. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me the rest of my life. Surely, surely, surely. Your word is sure, God. Reliable to live by. Sing out. Sing out to the Father. Not with words to follow, but out of your own heart. Sing out. Who is he? Your voice. If you don't feel like you can sing it out, say it out. Who is he? Let me... uh, I'm blurring this now. I feel I will be unto you who you say I am. You're good. You're loving. You're kind. God, you've dealt faithfully with us. You are righteous. I think this kind of atmosphere is just a taste. I think we're going to end up spending extended times like this in coming days. The scripture says, you'll find me if you seek me with your whole heart. We've got to learn to do that more. So thank you, worship team. You guys are awesome. So this morning, everyone, welcome Jim to the front. All right. So let's just ask the Lord to, to, to bless his word. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would, that you would uh, bless your word to our hearts, uh, that by, it, by hearing it and by taking it in, we would be changed. In Jesus' name. So <clears throat> what it really came down to was this idea of Growing spiritually, maturing spiritually. How many of you have ever had a period of your life, even maybe now, where you have felt pretty stagnant in terms of spiritual growth? Where you've kind of thought, is this all there is? Really? That's it? Sigh. Well, I've been there, and I... uh, I kind of wondered sometimes, you know, what, what is there that we can do to grow spiritually? One of the interesting things is Galen and I were talking yesterday on our walk. We realized that Pastor Mark has often talked to us about some of the things that get in the way of spiritual growth, which is very cool because if you can clear some of those things out of the way, you got a much better chance to grow. Problem often is, though, we don't necessarily know how to clear those things out of the way. So if we talk about pride or ambition or some of those kinds of items, you say, well, so stop it. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Well, that's easy. I'm just going to stop being ambitious or stop being proud. Yeah, it's not so easy. So I thought, let's see what the, the Bible has to say about growing spiritually. 
So we're going to go to John 3. So here we are, John 3. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. Okay, let's stop there for a second. Let's, let's just dig into that a little bit. So this guy, Nicodemus, he's a religious leader and a Pharisee. Well, what's a Pharisee? Well, the Pharisees were, I mean, religious leader and Pharisee are almost the same, same kind of word. But the Pharisees were people who knew the law of God. So Nicodemus very likely had memorized the first five books of the Bible. Okay? Probably word for word, he had, he had them completely memorized. Furthermore, likely he had memorized the prophets. Uh, Isaiah, for example... And I don't know if you know this, but the book of Isaiah is actually full of prophecies of Jesus, up to and including, you know, the virgin birth and, and um, you know, where he would come out of and where he would grow up and those kinds of things. The fact that he would be, you know, a man of sorrows and these kinds of, this is all in Isaiah. So Nicodemus would have had this all memorized. This is pretty impressive stuff, by the way. Um, you know, to, to memorize that kind of thing. But as a Pharisee, that's what you did. They started young, they sat in these, these rabbinic schools, and they memorized Scripture. All right. So that's, that's kind of who he is. So after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. It's kind of interesting that he came after dark to speak to Jesus. My sense of that, and the reason I think it's written that way in Scripture, is because it lets you know he was kind of sneaking around a little bit. Nicodemus was a little bit unsure that he actually wanted anybody else to know that he was going to go speak with Jesus, right? After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Okay, so you realize Nicodemus is one of these now who is not busy saying that Jesus is from Satan. Because some of his contemporaries were. They, were. they were pretty messed up by this Jesus guy because this Jesus guy didn't really follow their rules very well. And they were creating these rules on an ongoing basis. Interestingly enough, not because they were trying to set barriers between man and God but because they were trying to make sure you couldn't accidentally sin. If we can just create enough rules that keep you far enough back from the edge, they called it a hedge. They were trying to build a hedge of rules. So if, if we can figure out all the rules, you won't accidentally sin. Of course, they're missing the fact that sin is completely a matter of the heart, not a matter of obeying the rules, right? So, you know, it was never going to work. But this is what they were trying to do. So he... Nicodemus isn't so upset that Jesus breaks his, their rules. He recognizes right up. He's recognizing you are from God. Your miracles prove it to me. You're from God. So he says, Rabbi, that means teacher. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you're born, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay, what? what? So he says... We know that you're a teacher and you're from God. And Jesus says, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. What's going on here? Nicodemus is saying, you're a teacher. And Jesus is saying, 
oh, I am so much more than a teacher. You can't even see it. You can't even see right in front of you who I am for real. This is a guy who has the scriptures memorized. All of the prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus likely committed to memory. He could have recited them outright. He's looking at Jesus and calling him teacher. And Jesus is saying, I'm the king. I'm the son of the king of God. I'm so much more than a teacher. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? He's so messed up here. Right? So he's like, I'm saying you're a teacher, and then you're, you're telling me I have to be born again, and I'm, I don't know how that works. What do you mean born again? And Jesus is really saying, oh, buddy, you've got to start over. You've got to start over on a whole new track. Because you were born of the flesh, Absolutely. Your mother gave birth to you. You're born of the flesh. But now, Jesus said, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water, so the flesh in this case, and the spirit. So he's really telling Nicodemus is, all of this stuff you've learned, all of this process you've been on, all of this walk you've been doing, that's great and everything, but you've got to get born of the spirit as well. Your spirit needs to be born. Now, it's an interesting thing because I looked at the word spirit there, and it's an interesting thing because the word spirit there is the same word as they use for wind. And then you go on to see what Jesus says next. So he says, humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say to you, and by the way, that you, I looked that word up too, and it's plural. Okay, so it's not just Jesus saying to one person, he's saying to everybody, that you must be born again. And then he says, the wind blows wherever it wants. So spirit and wind are basically the same word here. Just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. So he's saying, buddy, this is just, this is going on all around you, and you can't, you, you, you have no ability to cognitively catch this stuff and explain it. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. And Jesus replied, what? You're a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? Ow. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, for those of you who don't know that story at all, it's in Exodus, and you're welcome to go look it up afterwards and read it, and you'll understand that there was, there was this snake on a pole thing. So the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. And then we hit John 3.16, probably the most 
common, well-known verse in the whole Bible. In this version, it says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. Now listen to this. This is so interesting. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. Did you notice that? You see that? It says there's no judgment against anyone who believes in Christ. But if you don't believe in Christ, you're already judged. Isn't that an interesting thing? How often are we so worried about people's sin? You know, if you have this sin or that sin or this other sin, well, then you're no good. Or... You know, you, 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 you're going to go to hell because of this sin or that sin. It says here, this is all just about accepting Jesus or not. Right? He says, look, if you've accepted me and believe in me, you're not judged for your sin. If you don't accept me, you're already judged anyway. Just an interesting little, little point for us to, that one's for free. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear that their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see what they're doing and what God wants. So Jesus is kind of changing the whole paradigm here for Nicodemus. He's, He's messing him right up. And he's actually telling him that all this Bible reading you've done over the years, all this memorization that you've done over the years, all of it actually isn't helping you right now. You're spiritually immature. In fact, you need to be started here by being born. You, you haven't even been born spiritually yet, Nicodemus. By the way, Jesus is not actually being hard on Nicodemus here. He's giving him exactly what he needs, okay? This is a thing to note. He's not busy writing Nicodemus off. He's giving Nicodemus the direct thing he needs because if Nicodemus believes that what he really needs to do is just go study those scriptures a little bit more, and maybe then he'll come to understand... Jesus is saying, not without being born of the Spirit. Not without the Holy Spirit changing up who you are. In John 5, and I'm going to read this from the New King James Version. John 5, verse 37. It says, and the Father himself who sent me, so Jesus is speaking, has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. Jesus is again talking to a group of Pharisees here. But you do not have his word abiding in you. What? Okay, are these not the people who have memorized the word? It says, you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent you do not believe. You search the scriptures... For in them you think you have eternal life. 
and these are, are, are they which testify of me, but you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. So again, this is an interesting thing. He's again saying spiritual growth and maturity doesn't come purely from reading. Now, I'm going to, you're saying, wait a minute, Jim, aren't you the read the Bible guy? Always, always read the Bible. This is, you know, get up here and preach, and all you do really is read three chapters of the Bible, right? Yes, absolutely so. But I got to tell you right now, that is what the Bible calls milk. It does. In fact, when we're born again of the Spirit now, we are babies. That's where you start when you get born. That's just the process. And it's Jesus' analogy, not mine. So, born again came directly out of his mouth. So, that means we start as babies, and babies need milk. So, 1 Peter chapter 2 says, So, get rid of all evil behavior. Okay. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you've had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Okay, so you're understanding here, in no sense am I suggesting that it wasn't important to know what the Word of God said. In no way am I beginning to say that studying the Scriptures isn't important. Crave it, it says here. Uh, Cry out for it. Frankly, if a baby doesn't get milk, baby's not going to make it, right? So, we've got to cry out for that. It is utterly foundational and fundamental, but it is baby state, okay? This is the thing to note. Well, what if I don't desire or crave the word. How many of you have ever had a time in your life when you didn't really crave the word of God? Okay, there's some hands that didn't even go up. Wow, that's amazing. I got to tell you, <laughs> I have had many dry spells in my life. I have sometimes had places where through discipline I still read the word of God and it felt like sawdust. Okay? Uh, I've had other times when the discipline wasn't enough and I didn't read it anyway. Okay? I mean, there are times in my life where I have not desired or craved. But, let me tell you, now I'm going to do something I've never done here before. I'm going to read you a little poem. (laughs) Okay, I don't do poetry, I'm sorry. But, this is written by John Bunyan. Um, John Bunyan is the guy who wrote a book years ago called Pilgrim's Progress. And I don't know how many of you will ever have read Pilgrim's Progress. It's very cool. It's kind of old Englishy, but it's it's a very cool story. Um, and John Bunyan said, he wrote this little, this little ditty, and it says, Run, John, run, the law commands, but gives us neither feet nor hands. Far better news the gospel brings, it bids us fly and gives us wings. So what is that? So what he's saying, up front, the law tells you what you got to do and doesn't help you do it at all. But the gospel tells you what to do and gives you everything you need 
to make it happen. The grace of God, remember that word grace, right? Grace is not about fluid movement when we talk about the grace of God. Grace is the desire and ability from God to do his will. The what and ability? The desire and ability from God to do his will. And if there's something you want to do, and you have the ability to do it, you're going to do it. If you want to, and you can, you will. It's that simple, right? So the grace of God is the desire and ability from God to do his will. And at that point in time, what we're saying is, here's the deal. So you don't crave the word. And I sometimes say, well, we were, t- we were talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago, and it went, the question was, you know, do you want to actually do the things necessary for growth? No. Okay, do you want to want them? I think so. Okay, so we're at the place where I think I want to want it, but I don't really want it yet, because if I wanted it, I'd do it. I'm not doing it, but I think I'm looking at it going, boy, it would be great if I did. Okay, so, all right. Well, that's a step. That's a first step. We're getting there. I want to want it. That's, that's great. What I can tell you is if you want to want it, ask God to give you the actual desire. Ask God for his grace. He's got lots. And so, at that point in time, when you say, Lord, can you, can you like, even instill in me the desire to do this? Because, honestly, I don't want it very much. I mean, I'm not doing it. So, he will give you the desire and ability to do his will. His grace is sufficient. In fact, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active. I'm telling you, if you start to read it, it will change you. When we're asking the Holy Spirit to grow us up with it. Okay, so it's not reading it for the purpose of knowing it. It's reading it for the purpose of letting the Holy Spirit use it. Because it is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges your thoughts and attitudes. The thoughts and attitudes of your heart. So, that's the word of God. But milk by itself is only for babies. So if we want to be more than babies, if we want to start growing up, where do we go? Well, let me go to Hebrews 5 here for a minute. Verse 11. There's much more we would like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. (laughs) Wow, these guys, you know, writing a letter to the Hebrews. Now, this is a letter being written to the Jews, okay? likely by the Apostle Paul. We're not 100% sure who wrote the book of Hebrews, okay? But the, the prevailing wisdom is that it was, a, 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 it was Paul. He said, you've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Let me, let me hear you all say that. Ought to be teaching others. Interesting. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infinite, infinite, infant, and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. This is an interesting thing, because I've heard many people 
talk about the meat of the word being the deeper doctrines in the Bible. You know, we get the simple stuff like salvation, like that simple, okay? (laughs) And then we get the deeper doctrines in the word. What deeper doctrines in the world? What's deeper than, than that? In fact, if we, if we check out Hebrews 6, which Pastor Mark did last week or two weeks ago, said, it says here, So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Okay, what are the deeper doctrines then, if that's the simple stuff that we don't need to keep going over and over and over? What's the deeper stuff? I'm actually going to make a suggestion. And I've I, I got to be careful, but uh, because, you know, you, you, you kind of don't want to create too much here. But, uh, okay, you'll see when we get there. John 4, verse 31 and I, again, I chose the New King James here because there's specific words here that, that matter. In the meantime, oh, so let me tell you what just happened here. Jesus has gone with his disciples, and they're in a place called Samaria. Now, Samaria, interestingly, it, it is actually a part of Israel, but the people who live there are kind of outcasts from the rest, okay? And the rest of the people don't like them, won't talk to them. You've heard about the Good Samaritan, right? That, that's from Samaria. That's a person from there who, you know, kind of an outcast, not part of the community. And Jesus has gone there with his disciples, and uh, his disciples have gone to buy some food and just left Jesus alone by this well. And so there's this Samaritan woman who's there at the well, and Jesus asks her to get him some water, which is a really weird and odd thing because culturally, first of all, men did not strike up a conversation with a woman. That, that's inappropriate. It would be her husband who would have to kind of proxy those things. So here Jesus has just gone and broken all these cultural norms right off the top, and he's talked directly to this woman. He said, hey, can you get me some water? And so she's kind of, you know, dealing with this, this whole thing, and, and then he tells her about living water, right? He tells her that if I gave you water... You'd never be thirsty again. And she's kind of messed up about that and doesn't understand that thing. And then she runs off and, you know, goes back to, the, to town to tell everybody about this wonderful prophet who's told her everything she ever did in her life and all this kind of stuff, right? Meantime, the disciples show back up. And they brought food, okay? And so they say, in the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. And therefore the disciples said to one another, has somebody brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now I'm going to read that to you in the King James Version here because it is quite instructive. Jesus saith to them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Okay, what's the meat? The meat is the doing. Whoa. So I'm going to, you know, I've got to be a little careful here, but I'm going to suggest to you that from Jesus' words, 
the milk is the is is just the word and the meat is putting it into action whoa so the meat isn't the deeper doctrines i don't think so i think the meat is actually doing something with it allowing it to change us so that it actually changes our actions and our behaviors now back to the new living he says you know the saying and this is uh, verse 35 you know the saying four months between planting and harvest but i say wake up and look around the fields are already ripe for harvest the harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life what joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike you know the saying one plants and another harvests and it's true and he says I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done that work. And now you will get to gather the harvest. I'm going to pop back to Hebrews 6 here for a minute. And I'm going to go to, to verse 9. It says, Dear friends, even though we're talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. This was the, about the simple stuff, right? Um, we're confident that you're met for better things. things that come with salvation for God is not unjust he will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by here we go by caring for other believers okay so there we've heard three things that we're to do the first was we ought to be teaching others the second was we ought to be harvesting others And now the third is we should ought to be caring for each other. And this is right after he's talking about do we have to keep talking about all this simple stuff? And then he lays out all these complex doctrines, <laughs> all the simple stuff. And then he says, you need to be caring for other believers as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead you'll follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. So, if you don't want to be spiritually dull and we want to grow and mature and have meat, then we need to actually be caring for each other, teaching each other, reaching out. Years ago, I think probably <laughs> 1994ish okay senior pastor here was uh, Ken Solbrecken and uh, Ken had talked to uh, a, a couple Tom and Rhonda Scott about the idea of starting a children's ministry here in the church and uh, Rhonda had really caught this thing and had quite a vision for this thing that was going to be called kids church So after Sunday uh, after service one Sunday morning um I was just leaving and Rhonda stopped me at the back and she said to me hey can I talk to you about something and I said sure you know we're friends that sounds good and uh something you need to know about both Galen and I um because it's not evident if you see us with our grandson but neither of us was ever kids people We weren't about babies and we weren't about children. Um we I mean we never even babysat. 
I mean, Gaylene, her mom would try and hook her up with, you know, some of her friends who needed a babysitter, and Gaylene would be going, ask my sister. <laughs> she likes that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't do that. I, uh, kids kind of scare me a little bit. Okay? So, neither of us was kid people. We loved our own, and at that time, uh, we had both of them already, uh, but, you know, Amanda would have been like two, and, uh, which would have made Curtis about four. So Rhonda's talking to me after service, and she, she says, I have this idea. She says, uh, you know, and, it's, and she explains, a church service on Sunday mornings explicitly for kids from grades one through six. Full service. Start right at the beginning. Do the whole thing till the end kind of thing. Full church service for kids. And she said, and I was fasting and praying over the last week, asking the Lord, who we should approach to help us with this. And he put you and Gaylene on our hearts. Well, I went, wrong number. In fact, I I thought it was funny enough that I called Gaylene over to hear it. I'm serious. Um, And and so Gaylene comes over. I said, okay, okay, you got to listen to this. And I was expecting Gaylene to, you know, get this deer in the headlights look and go. Nee, 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 nee. So Gaylene listens to Rhonda talk about this thing and she goes, oh, really? Who are you? What have you done with my wife? And she goes, well, that's, that's so interesting. I think, that's not interesting. That sounds horrible. You're telling me I'm going to be stuck with 65 to 70 elementary school children for two hours on Sunday morning. This is not interesting. Now, I did think that seeing as Rhonda had honestly stated that she'd been fasting and praying, that, you know, legitimately I should go home and pray about it before I told her no. So, I, uh, I told her that we would, we would pray about it. And... Uh, Got home, and we prayed about it. took me six weeks before I finally said yes instead of no. I wasn't allowed to say no. (laughs) I desperately tried to say no. By the way, Mark and Anita were the other couple at that time who Rhonda approached, and they also ended up saying yes. And so... We embarked at that time on what turned into 11 years of being the kids' pastors here because God tricked us, too. Because he, three months in, moved Tom to, to Grand Prairie. So Tom and Rhonda, who were leading this thing, were gone. So now we were not only helping, <laughs> but we were leading. So we spent 11 years here ministering to the kids. How, how many here were actually in kids' church at that time? Okay, so we still have quite a few that, that we got to minister to. We, we did that job for 11 years uh, and then uh, managed to get Brent and Tammy came and helped us for a couple years, and then they took it over uh, and did another, what, five? Ten? Hokey schmokes. <laughs> so they did another 10 years of ministering to the kids. Let me tell you something. 
When you need to understand something well enough that you can explain it to a group of kids from 6 to 12 and understand it well enough that you can actually point to what character of God is in any given passage that you're, that you're teaching, any story, any what, who is God, what is being revealed about who he is from this passage, the level of growth that comes into your own life as you have to assimilate these things and then teach them to others. Oh my goodness, we grew so much in those 11 years. We got so much back, and not just the relationships. I mean, the relationships are phenomenal. I mean, we still love those kids. In fact, you know, most of you, we still consider you our kids at some level. But even you, Ben. <laughs> but, but I got to tell you, the level of growth that came into our own lives during that period of time... We are fundamentally different people today because of those years of, of pouring out and teaching others and, and ministering. I mean, and people would say to us, you know, how did you, you know, how could you do that for that long? And it's funny because we say, no, 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 you, you have no idea what we got back during the whole time. I have to make a confession. Sometimes we didn't always understand what we were teaching. And there were, a n- <laughs> there were a number of times, but one I remember very specifically, where I felt very burdened down emotionally, spiritually. And I had one, this little girl, she comes up to me and she goes, do you remember what you taught us this morning in kids' church? You said that God sets us free from our burdens. <laughs> Oh God. <laughs> so it's it's there's this there's this learning in order to teach, but there's even just this willingness to share that shifts and changes your life. So I I just I just want you to know that if if you want spiritual growth in your life, one of the easiest and best ways to make that happen is to start explaining things to other people. Okay? To find something in the Word of God that kind of goes, whoa! And then to explain it to somebody else. The Bible talks about, you know, talking about God when you're on the road and when you're lying down and when you're getting up and putting it over your doorpost and whatever. I mean, we are supposed to be talking about the things of God on an ongoing basis because it provokes growth in us. Because it's a do. It's a thing that you're doing, not just knowledge that you're taking in. It's an exercise of that. So, who would be up for a little bit of an exercise this week? But I came up with something that I actually thought would be useful this week for anybody who would find this at all fun. I want to kind of provoke you with an idea of having to explain something to somebody else. So the idea here would be this. I'm going to give you an idea of something that I'm going to ask you to learn about. Find someone in the church to explain it to. Okay. So here's what I'd like you to do. And, and, and I think would it be kind of fun, but here it is. And a simple thing. So, but here's the idea. Men, here's what I'd like you to do. 
figure out why did God have to confuse languages at the Tower of Babel? And what does that imply for us today? Okay? So, that's, that's the idea. For all of you who are willing to do it, just figure out, why did God have to confuse languages at the Tower of Babel, and what does that imply for us today? Some of you already think you know anyway. Verify. Okay. Ladies. Which of Noah's sons brought a curse on his family and why? And what does that mean for us? The reason I'm doing this is because you'll figure out how simple this is to do. But I think the reason I'm asking you to do this at all is because I want to show you how simple it is. And I want us to start d developing some of these things as habits. Because as a married couple, for example, you can do this with each other all the time. In fact, most of the time when I got up here to speak, if there's some real revelation underneath something, it's something Gaylene told me. I'm serious. Most of the time, that's, that, no lie, most of the time when I get up here and I've got something sort of burning in here, it actually came from Gaylene. She, she, something hit her, and she starts talking to me about it, and I get all, whoa, and I got to dig into that thing and find out more about it, and, and I'm all excited. Meantime, she's done, you know, lots of the digging as well. It's very, very interesting, and it's so simple to do. If you want to see yourself begin to grow spiritually, one of the simplest things you can do is just start teaching other people, right? That's what it said here. You ought to be teaching by now. So I think as a group, and then the other one is ministry. You know what? When we get folks up here, and, and we're praying for them, if there's an invitation to come and pray, and you think, oh, I don't know how to do that, just come do it anyway. Come stand behind somebody, put your hand on their shoulder, or just stand behind them with your hand out. Pray for them. Even if you say, uh, God, if you would, you know, whatever it is they need, if you would do that, that would be great. I'll tell you what, you start the doing, you start doing, and you will start growing. Honestly, if all you do is sit and listen to me, you're going nowhere. Because <laughs> I can't, I can only teach you at a level directly that's mind to mind. So your mind will know something that maybe you didn't know before and maybe you already do. But if you start to do, your spirit will be activated and you'll be changed. Is that fair? All right, family. I, I think, honestly, that, you know, we're a church that, that by and large is well beyond baby. I'm thrilled. But I think there's so much more that each one of us can do to, to kind of provoke ongoing growth. Amen. So, Heavenly Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would uh, quicken, would, would kind of put the light on your word. And, and this week, as, as maybe even some of us who don't often look at the word kind of do, that you would just make it kind of sparkle. That there'd just be such life on it. And Lord, I pray that even in these, these simple little task ideas, that you would reveal something to, to each one of us that maybe we need for our own growth. Maybe something we didn't know before. I ask that you would do that and that your word would not return void. In Jesus' name, amen.